This is Ool Radio. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined by Colin Harmon from Third Floor Espresso. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I feel like a bit of an outsider, but one that's been made feel very welcome. Well, that that is, um, it's one of the great things about Ool that the presenters can come from all sorts of different perspectives, and that also was a bit of the theme of your talk, wasn't it? That that you're you're a, an outsider to technology, and yet in many ways technology has kind of influenced your career path. Yeah, like so. Um, when Paul and Eva asked me to come and do this, I was um, honoured and you know, kind of very flattered. But at the same time, I was very conscious that it's a tech conference, and um, there's a guy who works in our office who's admittedly far more tech savvy than I am, and I tell him that he's in charge of electricity. That's the joke that we have. So it's like uh, it, a lot of tech stuff just confuses me. So I think I'm with the way the business has grown and expanded, um, we now do a lot of stuff, um, as I explained in my talk, through tech. But uh, usually it comes from a place where I kind of would say, well, like in, in a dreamland, I'd be able to do this, this and this. Is that possible? And usually, usually the answer is, well, yeah, thanks to tech, we can now do that. Mm. And it's like, cool. So I'm, I'm slowly getting embraced into that world. Well, that's something who, as somebody who's written about this for a long time, that is the biggest change, honestly, in the last 15 years of technology is tech used to be a thing that was on the periphery and you could be into it if you wanted. And it was changing the lives of those people, but it was sort of on the side. And now it's everywhere. It's everybody's life. It's not something that you cannot be a part of. It, it will affect you regardless. Yeah. Like, and it's uh, like in the business world, you could say, oh, I'm in the food business or I'm in the tech business. But now, Every business is in the tech business. Like we, mm-hmm. if we, we like our business is different aspects. So if you want to like book a, a class, you get a book online. If you want to, um, you know, get coffee delivered to your house, you do that online. If you want to come and, you know, order something in the shops, that's all done in a very tech savvy way. That's very far from where we started. So it's um, whether it's like, you know, Pam Pilots and all that kind of stuff as well. And so it's, it's been a challenge for me because I kind of, um, I spent the last 20 years trying to stay away from that stuff because it confused me. Uh, but I suppose it's becoming a lot more user-friendly as well. And the kids that come work for us seem to know what they're doing as well. So that helps. So what was the thing that prompted you to leave your job in finance and open a, a shop serving coffee? Uh, boredom. So like I worked in investment funds and people go, oh, that must have been you know, pretty exciting and pretty crazy. Uh, the reality is that my, I worked as a trustee, so my job was to analyse um, kind of uh, historical data from uh, investment funds. So essentially to see what they had done over the past few months and then make sure that they'd done everything in line with you know, statutory and fund-specific regulations, which is, um, yeah, not the most thrilling of things. I think our audience may have just fell, yeah, fallen asleep just, as, yeah, exactly. as that went on. I can see... So, and so you wanted to make a change. You wanted to yeah. Wanted so to like, I'd look different. forward to my cup of coffee in the morning. It's going in, and then I'd be working, and I go, "God, I just have another cup of coffee, maybe." And I was trying to give up smoking at the time, which I did. So I'd just go have another cup of coffee, and it just like anything, I kind of I was like, "Well, like, I was here yesterday, and you made my coffee yesterday, and it was great, and today you're making it again, and I've paid you the same amount of money, and this time it's terrible. Why is that?" And the the, the answer that you'd get from most people was, like, mm. and it's there was this apathy there. So. I went online and kind of like start buying coffee from roasteries in the UK and in the States and in Japan. And then I got involved in internet forums about coffee, like such a thing exists. And uh, all of a sudden I was part of the subculture and I went, used to go to London and try taste coffees at these events. And I realized that there was nothing happening in Dublin. And the more bored I got with my job, the more um, interested I got in coffee. And I realized that, you know, 
I was 27. I didn't have any kids, I didn't have any mortgage. I had disposable income. I had an education. And, you know, uh, there was a lot of reasons not to open a business, but I didn't really have any any decent ones. Mm. You know, a lot of people were in a lot tougher situations than I was. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to have a go at this. So I said, I'll take a year out and see if it works. And if it doesn't, I'll just come back. So I left that job. I think the world economy or banking economy crashed about six weeks after that. So <laughs> I actually couldn't have gone back if I wanted to. <laughs> but anyway, I persevered. So a year to the day after I started working as a barista, I was in the finals of the World Barista Championships and I haven't looked wow. back since. So it started with a coffee obsession. Yeah. And then and then you took the jump. And probably in hindsight, you think that was the perfect time for me to do it because you weren't burdened by, you know, you didn't have people you're caring for and thinking, oh, I can't do that. I need to do this instead. You just, you could make it happen. So you did. You started small though. You started with a a small location. Did you pick it? Well, like, was, was it was it any good? I think you 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 said it wasn't. No, it was it terrible. Wasn't not a good Jason. Come on, it was awful. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I would all due respect to the people of the Twisted Pepper, but um, like, I didn't have any money, so I had like five thousand euro that my dad said he'd give me, but he was holding it for me. You know, so if I said I need money for this, he go okay, and he give me a bit of it. I so see. you know, and like, I, if I'd have gotten a, a big bank loan and gotten a high street location, I would have absolutely just died on my feet it just wouldn't happen so I had this small little location now I had a business uh, degree as well and I would have the people say well that would have helped you it's like not really like when you start a business it's just you're just a rabbit in the headlights yeah so what this small shop did is that it gave me a chance to just figure things out and and not very complicated things just get a sense for how things work you know and it's like like a sandbox for me in business like the first day we opened we sold 16 cups of coffee um, and um, it was like pretty, you know, devastating. But you know, next day we sold seventeen, and off you went. So it gave me a chance to just learn, you know, what are how to do like tax returns and how to pay staff and how to deal with staff and all that kind of stuff. So I could ramp up bit by bit. So today we've three shops. We've a roastery. We'll roast about hundred tons of coffee this year. We've got an equipment uh, business that sells espresso machines and grinders, a training business, online web shop, and yeah. Lots more besides. I, I, did, I was doing the math last night that that's a third of a ton of coffee every day. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I worked <laughs> out what it was in uh, in cups of coffee. So we figured out that like Saturday is probably when two eighths of our coffee gets made. I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so we, we figured enough. out what that was in in cups of coffee, and it ran into thousands and thousands, yes. like tens of thousands of cups of coffee. Here. And this is mind boggling because it really, it's like it started with 16, you know what I mean? So you, you talk about, you know, I know that you've got this trepidation about tech, but I will say that I, I will bet that most of the people who listen to this will see themselves, who are more techie, will see themselves in your bit of curiosity about why the coffee wasn't consistent. Because that is, I, I, let me tell you, that is the way that that computer people, that programmers think, which is what's wrong with the system? Like what's yeah. r- wrong with it? So what, when you started, what were you doing to try to address that? What, what was your, you know, did you have a plan for like, I can do this better because I've learned all of these things on the internet and the forums and talking to people. And I've, I've got a system that can make the coffee better and more consistent. Well, or did yeah, you just but that's the reason why I went go. ahead, you know, like, right. because I thought I did like I genuinely thought that, well, I, I have access to better coffee, uh, so better green coffee, better roasted coffee, better equipment, um, better skills, all of these things. Did you um, really? Or was that a mistake? I did. I kind of like two competitions. <laughs> I met lots of people who were happy to support me. And But I think the looking back, um, what I kind of realized is that I'd act, I, all I had access to was like 
giving a shit about what I was doing. That makes sense. Yep. And that's that's what you need, you know. So like we have people all the time that come to us and say we want to set up a cafe, and we'll routinely spend you know thirty thousand euro on coffee making equipment. And you'll visit them when they open and they're not doing a good job because that last piece, like that glue that sticks everything together, you can't buy that bit. You know what I mean? And that, it's that, it's the most valuable part. And that goes, when you talked about your staff, that goes into that being able to have people who who have career paths and, you know, they want to do this, they care about it, they love it. And if you're just sort of doing it because, well, there's a coffee shop here or there could be one and I might as well do it even though I don't care. Yeah. You're not going to, those people aren't the kind of people you want to work with anyway. Yeah. And it's like the, this, the hospitality industry is, is kind of played to this because it tends to be occupied by people who are just doing it until they get something better or if, you know, just to make a few quid on the side. Uh, and what we're interested in doing is doing it professionally and doing it well. And, you know, it's like, it's expensive for coffee at three a fee, but we want, we need it to be good and we need people to be dedicated to what, to what they're doing. But the, the challenge there, and I realize this, is that you need to then think of reasons to keep those people there and how do you motivate them. So building career paths is incredibly important. So we have people that have come started working for us as just barbacks and then they get to be baristas and then they're head baristas and then managers. Um, and like one guy in particular I can think of is now like setting espresso machines. And he like this year, I think he'll just do like just south of like a million euros in, in sales of equipment, you know, and he's he's not been with us that long, you know, and it's it's great to see that because it's motivating for the people that are behind him in the, in that that ladder, you know, and it's incredibly re- rewarding for us. And when people have problems with their espresso machines or their grinders, um, he knows how to fix them because he's worked on bars and he has that that uh, that experience and he knows um, the hints and tricks that will help them do that business. So he's a far more valuable worker than just getting a sales guy to sell machines and grinders. So it helps the business and makes us very strong. Um, if we have people that have worked at every aspect throughout the business. And it's incredibly motivating for everybody around us. So one of the reasons that I think that you are a great fit for this conference is, and, and please don't take this the wrong way, but a lot of the people here are computer nerds. And you may not be a computer nerd, but you're a coffee nerd. You are because you care about things like looking on the internet to try to find the best yeah. way to make coffee. <laughs> and then you put up that graph, which I'm sure was very exciting to everybody in the audience, which yeah. is, you know, we tested, you test coffee like optically yeah. to see exactly what the variance is on extraction. And then you've got a chart that somebody has plotted to tell you the temperature and the pressure and everything that goes into it. And of course you do, right? I mean, yeah. that's how you learn. If somebody isn't doing that when they're making their products, then, then I mean, what are they doing, right? You're, you're, that's, that's basic, that basic pride, but you do have to care. Yeah, completely. To do the work. And, and the whole point of doing research like that is, um, is to help people not have to do it. You know what I mean? So like we, right. the, the grinder that we developed is, is called the Mythos Grinder. Which yeah. costs... Uh, the grinder is about two and a half thousand euro. Okay. The espresso machine that I showed you, which is the Black Eagle, that's about twenty thousand euro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> they're incredible. Like the way I learned, it took me three years to make, or to get, not even to make great espresso, but to get my head around how great espresso was made. And it's just a really precocious and difficult task that even if you do everything the same every like ten times in a row, they'll all taste different. Hmm. And what you're doing is that you're trying to manage that window. You know what I mean? So you're only going to get a certain consistency in there ever. Now, these days we hire somebody, we can get them to that level in three months because of the technology that's available to us. And that is 
both amazing and soul destroying at the same time. Uh, so, like, I kind of. But the thing is that soul destroying because you 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 can because I put in all those years right. just to get to say, and now they're better than me. Like, it's a weird thing that like I today I feel like I'm not even qualified to work at my own shops <laughs> because they're just uh, they do things at a different level with a whole different level of competence than I did. At the same time, though, it's also the case that it's great that you can get them up to speed in three months. But mm. it, does that not also mean that you're never going to be you know, after you spend a good three months at this, you're never going to be better because this is as good as you can be or can you always be better? I think, no, you can definitely always be better. And it's like, the thing is that coffee is getting better, like the quality of coffee that we can get hold of. Like, so the challenge for, for baristas today is not to, well, it's definitely to master how, how they make coffee. That's that's definitely there. Um, but they can get up to a certain level pretty quickly. And then there's other people who are just, who excel just like with smaller, smaller margins. Hmm. But with coffee, the challenge is now for us to learn about our products. So if you, if somebody sat down, if you're having dinner and, you know, if somebody brought a friend, they said, oh, I'm a sommelier. You'd be like, oh, and that's a respected, that's a respected job. And, you know, you have to get an accredited Cert, um, kind of certification for that job and then you know you get paid well and it takes years of training and education all that kind of stuff and if I gave you a badge now and I just slapped it on your chest there and so said you're barista. Jason Barista then you're a barista that's it Yeah. so it, that needs to change uh, but with that needs uh, the level of service and product that we serve people needs to improve drastically and become more consistent so that's the focus so like people are worried baristas are so focused on how they make the coffee and i'm like that's not the important thing the important thing is where the coffee comes from how does it taste you know is it reflective of the environment that it's grown in you know or the processing that's used or the variety that's been used that's the important stuff we need to connect our customers to that and because if someone if you ask a sommelier to get you some wine you know you order wine and she comes along to the table and pours the glass. You don't turn around to her and go, oh, you didn't make that wine. You just poured it out of a bottle. You know, that's you wouldn't say that, you know, because you respect that they know their product. Right. But it's not like that with Barista. So that's the challenge for us to to really become professional and to um, and to get that knowledge and care in the background to make people see us that way. One more question for you. Um, you talked about the creating sustainable links between farms and cafes. So. Tell me a little bit about how that how that connection gets made. How do you reach out to places where coffee is grown and make a connection directly between them and the places where coffee is served? Yeah, so my business partner, Steve Layton, uh, he runs a roastery in the UK called Has Been. And he owns 20% to 3FE. And so he does all the green sourcing for us. So he travels all these farms and meets all these um, these people growing this coffee. And he gives them feedback and asks them to do certain things with the coffee to see. And he'll, he'll see the different things in different countries that he could... Like he'll see, so, see stuff in Kenya he could tell farmers about in El Salvador and they haven't seen it. Mm. So that kind of helps as well. So we have access to incredible green coffee. Uh, my side has always been more retail focused. Like, so I'm really interested in coffee farms, but I've got so much happening at this end that I kind of, I'm afraid to step away. But we, what we, it dawned on me, like we, we, a lot of coffee farms we buy all of their production from. And so there's a farm we buy coffee from in El Salvador called Finca Argentina, confusingly. And okay. uh, he has a, a particular plot called Los Mangos. And we, we get Los Mangos every year and we love it. And every year it gets better and we look forward to it arriving and it's great and our customers go oh Las Mangas is back and that's really rewarding and it dawned on us recently that like we should be doing this for cafes as well you know like the ones that we supply because so, generally we would get lots of great coffees and then people would just pick and choose what they want so we start like talking to some of our better customers and saying you know well that coffee you like would you like to get that next year and the year after and the year after 
And like, there's a bit of a leap of faith in there because, you know, the quality can, can go up and down and, you know, the market's quite volatile right. and currency. It is a exchange. crop. I mean, weather can affect it. Yeah, completely. And it's like, especially in South America at the moment, you have the leaf rust is, is you know, it's, I think it knocked 65% of the production of El Salvador off a couple of years back. Mm. So these things are incredibly volatile. But the... I, I, we can't guarantee these things, but I think to start with that as a basis is a really powerful thing and to break down those barriers because like people hear a lot about, you know, fair trade and um, and things like this. And it's become like fair trade do a lot of good work and but they don't have a monopoly of morality. Like there are many other ways. So we we, we would, I'd say in 99.9% of cases would pay more directly to farmers than what they would get going to fair trade systems or other systems like that. Um, and it, it creates relationships, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it is sustainable. And the world is getting smaller and smaller. And uh, I think it's, it's a nice thing for people to look forward to getting, you know, their coffee year on year from some tiny little farm on the far, far side of the planet and know that they're supporting people there. In an era where most manufactured products you can get anywhere in the world. Like I'm traveling here to Ireland from the United States and there used to be that moment where you think, oh, I'm, what do I bring for my friends who they can, that they can't get in the U.S. and what do I take home that we can't get in the U.S.? There's very little of that now. Yeah, yeah. But as somebody who likes beer, one of the things I like is going to microbreweries and there's always a different kind and it's not one you've tried. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't, but it's a great process of discovery. Mm-hmm. And what you just said hit me that that's one of the great things about this sort of approach is Every place that coffee is grown is a little bit different. And so if you find one that you like and it's coming every year, you get a little extra consistency. But it also means that if you go somewhere else, you're going to get a different flavor and yeah. a different kind. And you get you get some of that surprise back. You lose the mass produced. Maybe it's less consistent even, but it's, it's more interesting. Yeah. And it does matter. Quality is always going to be important, but there's always, I mean, you know, if somebody offers you three beers and they tell you a story about one of them, that's that's the one you're going to buy, and yeah. you're going to you're going to enjoy it as well. That's right, and that's just the way things are set up. So it's um it, it makes it more interesting for us, and I just love the idea of like you know a coffee farm, and let's say in Yungas in Bolivia, like a farmer saying, you know, all my uh, coffee is going to some random cafe in Fermanagh. You know, just, the thought of that happening is just um, is exciting and ridiculous at the same time. It's great. Thank you so much for for coming. I love your Thank talk. Thank you for having me, and thanks for being here, awesome. Colin Harmon. This is Ul Radio. Thank you.